team for leading us in worship today. I always enjoy the Christmas carols this time of year, don't you? Amen. And uh, I'm finding out, my wife is finding out, as you get older, sometimes it's getting harder to do all that Christmas shopping and what have you. And so here someone came up with this idea. They had turned 90, and uh, her name was Marie, and she found that shopping for Christmas gifts had become so difficult so that she decided that this year she would just send checks uh, instead. And so she, she bought, buy, she wrote, buy your own gift on each of her cards and mailed them out early. She enjoyed the usual flutter of family festivities, and it was only after Christmas that she was going through her cluttered desk and reading up there under a stack of papers, she was horrified to find the checks that she forgot to include <laughs> in her cards. I hope that doesn't happen to you. Well, we're glad that you're here today. And we want to share a message entitled Christmas Hope, Christmas Hope. Children, I have a question for you. Jack, what happens in just a few days? Yes, he got it. Christmas is coming. We anticipate, we celebrate Christmas, the Christ child. And again, I, I just enjoy this display so much this year. It, it's in its simplicity, it is really what Christmas is all about. And I love this, the celebration, the, the lights and all of that. And I've told my wife she has her home decorated so pretty this year. But this is the meaning of Christmas. Let's not forget that. Some churches like to light an Advent candle throughout the month of December. This year we chose not to do that. I really don't know why. But Advent simply means coming, coming. When Jesus came, he brought with him several things. He brings hope, peace, joy, and love, and life. When he died on the cross, he gave us life, and he's still giving today. And so we want to look at the hope of Christmas together this morning that comes through Jesus. Now, hope and despair are the opposite ends. They mean different things, the opposite and in a world that has fallen, there's a lot of despair today, a lot of despair. And did you know that there are degrees or levels of despair? Think about aging parents who have a child that needs special care, maybe it's physical or uh, mental disability. And they're thinking, who's going to care for my child when I'm gone? For them, despair is very real. There are parents who, whose hearts are breaking and devastating, devastated by wayward children. Those that have decided to go on their own and forget what mom and dad had taught them in the faith. There are children living in homes where there's physical and emotional abuse. I can hardly imagine that because I lived in a loving home. But a lot of children don't have that joy. And yes, there are spouses that have suffered many, many years of despair because of rejection and unfaithfulness of a husband or wife. 
Many people sit down at the end of the week and try to write out their bills and realize the paycheck didn't quite cover all the bills. So despair is real. It comes in many, many forms. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ offers hope. And through the scriptures and through prayer, we can find answers to any need that we have in life. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Thank you, dear Lord, this morning that we can gather to worship unmolested without fear. And we know that your presence is here. The beautiful singing. And as the worship started and continues, Lord, we thank you that you're here to minister to every heart. Naturally, we think of those that are not with us and pray, Lord, that you would touch them where they are. May they feel your presence there and where there's sickness, bring healing. Where there's emotional stress, Lord, bring relief. We thank you for each one that is here, several that have gone through surgeries in the last little while. Lord, you're healing bodies, you're giving strength. We pray for Gina today that you'd bring healing, Lord, to her neck and back from the fall that she encountered. And Lord, I just pray that you would bring healing into troubled homes. Oh, that the hope of Christmas would fill us, penetrate us so much that it would ooze out to all that we would come in contact. Help us, Lord, as a church, as a congregation, that we would be your your ones going forth and touching others in the name of Jesus. So we ask now that you'd continue to guide this service. We pray the Holy Spirit would minister to every heart, young and old, here today. And we'll certainly give you thanks and praise. For it's in your lovely name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. One church analysis observed that If churches will be faithful to minister in the world today, there's at least four basic things that should be taking place. Number one, a sense of identity. Friends, I want to tell you this morning, every one of you individually is important. You have great value to us. We're glad you're here. Number two, a sense of community. We accept and welcome you into our fellowship. Now, this isn't just for those who are our members, and God bless each one that feels they want to move on and become a member, but it's for everyone that finds this church as your church home. You're important to us. And thirdly, a sense of meaning. The Bible offers a credible explanation for life, and by God's help, we want to try to make it relevant to today's living. And then lastly, a sense of hope. Jesus Christ is alive. And I pray that he's dwelling within every heart here today. Praise the Lord. Always remember that with you, he's with you no matter what you face in life. So I wonder this morning, can we rate ourselves as a congregation? How well are we doing? Would, be, would we be getting an 80% or a 90%? I trust that we're in the high 90s by God's help. I'm thankful that biblical hope is more than just a desire for something better. It's a certain 
expectation. And on a human level, we could say good, strong, positive thinking. Convincing yourselves that, yes, life can be better tomorrow than what it is today. I think we should live with that possibility. One said, we, we fall down, but we're always getting up. Don't stay down. Life is going to get better. So with God's grace and determination, along with, yes, a lot of hard work on all of our part, many things in life can change for the better. But in reality, we have to be careful that at the same time, positive thinking can also maybe be a bit delusional. What are you saying, Pastor? Well, listen. Some things may never change for the better on this side of eternity. But when our faith is in God, he gives every one of us hope today. Hope. We have our hope. We have Christ. So let's, um, let's consider three areas. Yes, I wanted to mention too, God sometimes allows things to come in our lives that we don't understand. It can be suffering. You might say, well, why do I have to suffer when someone else doesn't? That's, that's in God's providence. We don't have an answer for that. But he's there with you no matter what. And my heart and prayer goes out to those who are suffering so much. I think of Linda's husband, Mike, at home, can't get out, just recently came home from the hospital I think of Sam's wife, Doris, there in the apartment, can't get out. Let's not forget these ones. Let's pray for them and lift them up. And right now, Miriam and and Raymond are homebound and need your prayers and phone calls and visits. Let's encourage each one. When we have hope in Christ, we have several areas we want to consider today. Number one, we have a hope that is centered in the glory of God. In the glory of God. You know, that glory is uniquely his. It's one that we can share in, though. And it's a glory that is certain. What kind of hope are we talking about? We all desire and imagine a world in which everything would be as it ought to be. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Such a world, and let me share several areas where marriages never fail, where families never fight, where jobs are secure, where the bills are paid on time, where friends are always faithful, where Christians always love one another, where the color of our skin is never an issue, where everyone feels welcome and accepted, where everyone is flexible and gets along with their neighbor, where there's no suffering and there's no death, where everyone has value and respect, a world where there's no war, a world where precious children are not neglected or abused, a world where the unborn and the elderly are valued, protected, and loved. And I'm sure you could add a lot more to that list. No matter how much we desire a world like that, it'll never happen on this planet, Earth, as long as sin exists. That's part of the curse from the 
fall back in the garden. Our first parents, when they disobeyed, sin came into the world. God's glory is in the perfection of his being and in his perfect plan for redemption for all creation. And so in reality, the glory of God is superior to all of us. And why is that, Pastor? Because there's sin in our world. In Romans 3.23, he says it very clearly, all, all have sinned and come shorter, fallen short of the glory of God. And so this morning, there's no one of us here today that can live to up to God's perfect way that he's created. We need the Lord, do we not? Every moment of every day. Attend to the, attain to this right relationship by fulfilling the requirements of the law. Mankind needed a new way, did they? Yes, a way of salvation, which is only obtained by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. From the manger to the cross, that was his mission. Our faith in him alone restores that broken relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so when we're saved, we're forgiven. We're accepted into the right relationship again with God. When, talks, when one talks about the glory of God, what words should they use to describe it? Well, one person put it this way. The words and imagination of poets and writers fail to describe that superior majesty which far excels the beauty of a scarlet sky or the blindness awe of a glorious sunset. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. If you want to use the Pew Bible, it's page 65. Might make it easier for you. Exodus chapter 33, and we'll also go a bit into chapter 34. I want to read to you there. An account for us of Moses as he was there with God and was asking God that he might see his glory. Exodus 33, let's pick up there at verse 18. And he said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And so it shall be while my glory passes by that I shall put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these stones and the words that are on the first tablets which you broke. So be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you, and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain, let neither flocks nor herds before that mountain. 
And so he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning, went up to Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by or before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the father upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And then the next verse it says, And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. I wonder what it would have felt like to ask God what Moses did. Show me your glory. And to know that God comes down in the cloud and is right there with you. We read there where Moses was not allowed to look upon God's face. And that's why when we go to heaven, we're going to have a glorified body. Because in this body, we would melt away. There would be no way you you could stand before God. And so that makes me wonder sometimes, what will we see in the glory of heaven? when we look upon God on the throne and Jesus Christ. When you go home today, I'd like you to read Romans 1, verses 18 through 23. There you'll see a similar linking of God's attributes and glory. Romans 1, 18 through 23. We know that God reveals himself in all nature. For those of you that are hunters, as you went out into the woods and mountains, You know God was there. He made all the beauty of nature. We we also can see his power in in nature and mankind that he has created. Yes, he created you, everyone you see. But sadly, man has corrupted the glory of God, the image of corruptible men and earthly creatures, And we're compelled to glorify God in response to his revelation to us. Sinful man does not glorify God. They prove themselves to be guilty sinners under divine condemnation. You know, don't you, that God does not send anyone to hell. I've had people ask me that. Why would a loving God send somebody to hell? Eternal damnation. He doesn't. Every one of us has the choice. Are we going to live for God? Are we going to recognize that Jesus is the divine son of God? And those that go to hell are because they rejected, rejected God and his word. The attributes of God and the glory of God are very closely associated. I believe so much so that we can say God's glory is the sum total of who God is and who God is is defined then by his attributes. Beloved, our hope then is based on the expectation that God's glory is far more superior than that of man. Even more than what we can even try to imagine. I'm looking forward to heaven. There's going to be some real surprises there but it's all going to be good, good surprises. All the endless ages of eternity will not begin to diminish 
our wonder of his glory, I believe only it will enhance it. Every day will be a greater day if we can even call days in heaven. The apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So then, friends, truly we have caught the glimpse of the glory of God through Jesus. Moving on, secondly, we have a hope that thrives in the context of suffering. Hopefully you had your finger there in Romans 5 where we started. We read there, did you notice the pattern in verses 3 and 4? Paul says that suffering brings around about perseverance. Perseverance, it brings proven character. And proven character brings about hope. A faith that is tested and proved is one that is strong in hope. Praise the Lord. That is why God allows us sometimes to go through those hard places, hard times of testing, to prove the reality and the genuineness of our faith. Who who are we going to trust on when things go adversely for us? How can we begin to hope in God's promises in the future if we believe that God has failed us now in the present? Friends, our hope in God does not solve or remove every distress of life. It's our hope in God is because he is sustaining us right here and now. No matter where you find yourself this morning, God is with you. He's helping to lift you up. I wish I could say this morning there will never be injustices done in our society, but we all know that not to be true. We need to recognize that the world in which we live, all will not be right. But there's a world coming that it will be. That's the world I'm looking forward to. Thirdly, we have a hope that does not disappoint. I say praise the Lord. A hope that does not disappoint. Yes, there's many times we have problems and, well, we took care of that one. Only, again, to have it rise up before us. Oh, boy, we have more work to do. What about in war? Towns, even countries, have been liberated only to later fall back into the hand of the enemy. We see wickedness all about us making headway and gains against Christianity. I don't know when a time over the last number of years, the things that we've heard coming out of Washington and what you hear in the TV and the news, I shake my head and I think, what would my parents think? Were they alive today? Tremendous things that are happening that are not for God's glory. But let me tell you, there is a day coming when Jesus Christ is going to come down with the armies of heaven and he is going to declare victory over this old world. He's going to win against sin and wickedness. He's going to set 
those sinners free that call upon him. He's going to set up a new kingdom. And he's going to sit there on his throne. I say hallelujah. Look forward to that day. So brilliant will be his radiance. There'll be no need of the sun. Can you imagine that? Because all will be illuminated by his great glory. So remember, any hope that is centered in a fallen world is going to fall away. Where's your hope today? I trust us in Jesus Christ. It's in God the Father. It must be in him whose love is everlasting, whose mercy endures forever. Friends, our experience in the gospel, it's just a preview of the glory that's coming. Amen. That is why Jesus came down from heaven that first Christmas day. Aren't you glad that when you were powerless and and helplessly caught in the grip of sin, that Jesus came for you? Praise the Lord. God's grace comes to redeem mankind lost in sin. The grace of the gospel demonstrates again and again his boundless love for every one of us. This grace spares us from the wrath of God because we're no longer enemies of the cross. And that is why, my friend, today we have hope. We can have this Christmas hope. If you've never dedicated your life to the Lord, then you're without that hope. But oh, if you have the assurance that Jesus Christ lives within your heart, then you have that hope of glory. That's what I'm preaching about. Yes, we have this hope that is nurtured, yes, in suffering, and a hope that will not disappoint us no matter what we experience in life. Friends, I, as I look out over this congregation, I can't see what's in your heart. Nor should I. But we know that that's between you and God. And we're all going to answer to him. Oh, I encourage you to know that your salvation today is in Christ alone. Not in any works that we might do lest we would boast. It's only by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus went from the cradle to grow up to a man of stature. And finally, he then was willing to go to the cross and pay God's debt that was owed on sin. Jesus did that. And so each of us today, we need to accept that free gift of salvation, that offer of eternal life. Amen? Amen. The worship team is now coming. Oh, let's be thinking of the hope that we have at Christmas time.